poids. Welcome to the show. This, this is our view from, from the bench. bench. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Brendan, maize and blue confetti shooter. And I'm Corey, blade sharpener for the youth hockey team. And uh, happy Monday, especially for you, sir. Happy Monday, Michigan with the dub. Go blue. What a great game. Well, you know what? To be honest with you, it started off very one-sided. Yep. Got nice and even and then kind of went back towards the uh, the Michigan ways. So um, I watched it from start to finish, basically. I think the only thing I missed was the one time I had to use the, the restroom, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was a punt or something like that. So um, didn't miss much. Great game all the way through. Well done by Michigan. Complete just just handled them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they just ran over them on offense. So did you, were you able to catch any of it, Matt? I'll say before we get too far into it, let's go over our weekend and see how everything else goes. I know you're oh, sorry. I'm just so excited. Yes. I understand. It's kind of like we did with Dimebreak episodes a couple months ago. We were too excited at the beginning. Just going to take a deep breath. How was your weekend, okay. sir? Oh, <laughs> uh, great. So today, the Michigan Wolverine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, nah, it was uh, it was chill. Um, I'm still, still, dude, recovering from being sick from before. I feel like I'm not sick, but I have kind of like a cough and still have some chest congestion and the fatigue, bro, is really getting to me. But we are powering through, working, podcasting, and uh, just trying to get through. How was yours? Uh, not too bad. Worked a couple games. Uh, unfortunately, the Ducks, we had an eight-game homestand, and we only won one of those games. So it was a long homestand. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Friday night, we played okay and then kind of just blew it. And then yesterday against Detroit, played really good and then in the last minute gave up a goal to lose so it's just like a rough weekend at work but we made a lot of money everyone is happy in the building besides the fact that we lost the game so but now it's a a road trip for them for two weeks so it gives us a calm before the storm in the late half of the month okay well i mean hopefully they can maybe get on track on the road since they haven't been able to do it at home we'll see yeah. if they can uh not feeling good build about something out of it <laughs> it's a young team like we've talked about like we talked yeah. well before we get into too much more sports like you said i know i, I know i started off crazy <laughs> uh if you're not already don't forget to uh, hit the subscribe button and make sure you hit the notification bell so you never miss a new episode again like Corey said before we try to stick to that monday thursday timeline but Sometimes life happens, so make sure you're subscribed and notified. That way you uh, are aware whenever we upload a new video. Also, if you like what you see, smash that like button, right? Did I get it this time? I was hoping you were going to remember we said that. (laughs) That's right, man. That's right. I remembered this time. I remember this time. Uh, But let's jump in now. Okay. So, Wolverines, take the dub. Yeah. Um, Were you able to catch any of the game? So actually, I was able to catch the second half. Well, the end of the first. I saw, I heard the end of the first half when Washington scored and made it a touchdown game when I was driving home on the radio. And then when I got in and sat down and started doing my thing, the second half started. And, you know, I honestly, I thought Washington was going to make a nice run there. But Penix just got so beat up early on that you could see some of his throws were just off. And then he really got hit hard late in the fourth, and he kept grabbing at his hip. So something was not feeling right. And unfortunately, they show, he showed it. And... I mean, be honest, though. Michigan was a better team. They shut down the, one of the best yeah. offenses in the country to one touchdown and two field goals. Even at the end of the first half, they didn't do much when Penix was still pretty healthy at that point. So Michigan's a better team. They won. Um, now it's just a matter of what happens with uh, Harbaugh now that they won the title. He finished the process. They've done the 15-0. and I think they're one of six teams to ever go 15-0 and or better. And 
college football history now. It's weird. We've had two in the last two years. Um, but yeah, it's right. Michigan's day. And oh, as my brother-in-law would say, the team from the North, unfortunately, won the game. Take that. Yeah, didn't didn't. I'm sure Ohio. Who he's happy, but you know what? I will give Kevin a shout out in a sense because if you notice behind me, I got a new uh, decor as my background. Uh, Kevin hooked it up for Christmas and got me this nice flag with our like logo, it. so it'll be behind me now. So we kind of permanently have our own logo on the it screen. Looks good, bro. Time. Um, we do have actually quickly because obviously you know they won. Let's uh let's show uh the interview. Holly Rowe was able to get Harbaugh and JJ McCarthy uh, straight after the game. Let's just get the a little glimpse of how they were feeling after this legitimate dub. Check it out. See how quickly Harbaugh can elude Holly Rowe as we go down to the championship coach. Well, coach, you escaped the Gatorade all this time. Yeah. How sweet does this little bath feel right now? It's pretty great. You know, you watch this confetti come down. It's like thousands of confetti. It tells a story. There's a story in every one of those pieces of confetti. And the amazing blue confetti. Just so proud of our team. What's Incredible. the story that your team tells well, tonight, Coach? It's hard to be perfect. 15-0. Took on all comers. And uh, so the last one standing. Champions. You're the son of a coach. You've been in these moments before. But how's this one different? Because it's yours and your team's. Oh, I mean, it's it's just such a glorious feeling, man. Really, don't have any more words than that, you know. Maybe maybe to quote JJ McCarthy, bet. <laughs> hey, coach, who has it better than you right now? Nobody. Thank you. Thank you. JJ McCarthy. You have visualized this moment every single day for the last year. How does reality compare? It's glorious. That's all I can say. I, you know, I just love my teammates so much. I love my coaches. It's bittersweet because this is going to be the last time we get to play together. I love those guys so much. It's just such a special group. And no better way to end it. No better way. You had a big moment in this game. You're back against the wall in the fourth quarter, and you pull off the longest run of your season. How did you keep that drive alive and gain the distance to win? Um, you know, just all film study. You know, they just give it up on third downs, and I had to take advantage of it at some time. And, you know, offensive line did a great job of holding up so they couldn't shed on their blocks, and, you know, the rest was history. Coach has called you the greatest college quarterback to ever play at Michigan. What do you think you are? I think I'm J.J. McCarthy, kid from Grange Park, Illinois, that's just trying to be the best he could possibly be every day. That's all I think of myself as. How about you add national champion to that? Say that one more time. National champ? Yeah, we'll take that. That's for sure. <laughs> That's really nice, man. I mean, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, I know I'm happy for Harbaugh. He came, like you said, and did what he was said he was going to do. Yep. Uh, brought a national championship, a legit one, not just one where you're number one in the AP poll. Um, to to the thing, and McCarthy coming back, a lot of seniors coming back. Blake Corum, uh, a lot of them coming back, especially uh, on the offense, but also on the defensive side, and doing what they said they wanted to do was which was win that national championship, especially after getting kind of routed uh, by Georgia the year prior and TCU. As well, so a lot of uh, a lot of disdain that they had, bad taste in their mouth, and they were able to kind of shake that off this year and finally get the win. So finally good for get them. Over the hill, man. They finally got it done. Uh, like you said, the first real national title since no sharing with the AP poll and all that stuff anymore. And yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like like you said, McCarthy just came back and did what he needed to do. It'd be interesting to see if if he, I guess, where he gets drafted. I guess he'll probably get drafted, right? I would think. Yeah, it'll probably be in the later rounds. He doesn't look like a polished passer, but he's yeah. a smart dude that knows how to play the game. And, um, I mean, he could. 
I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put uh, any sort of cap on his potential in the NFL, but he seems more like a uh, a career backup quarterback that can kind of maybe be that Minshew type person come in and kind of just yeah. give you some jazz. And uh, but hey, man, you can make a long career out of being a backup quarterback, and you don't take any hits yeah. doing it most of the time. So right, yeah. What is it? Backup <laughs> kinda, quarterbacks like the best position to be? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Because nobody, I mean, especially in the NFL, dude. You next man up is a is a big thing, and those starters don't want to lose that spot. They're they're out on the field for a reason. Um, Very true. And uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do um, going forward. Obviously, Harbaugh's the biggest question mark yeah. but i think i think beating ohio state three years in a row and capping everything off of the national championship michigan be riding high on this for a while oh, yeah. especially since the big 10 is starting to get a, you know some bigger competition for big teams from the pac-12 coming in including the one that they just played tonight exactly yep so uh it's going to be a little bit harder to even get out of that own uh the big 10 division let alone i mean granted the playoffs expanding to 12 teams so it's that a little too, bit easier to kind of get that. into the mix but um yeah i don't know it's a great ending to a great season for the quite controversial michigan wolverine football team so happy for them go blue yeah i, I mean i didn't really care who won at the end of the day i was more just rooting for washington because of the pac-12 disbanding and everything but yeah. like you said they're going to the big 10 they'll play michigan again so I think they actually might play each other next year, even, which would be kind of they fun. They do. To see in them. Washington. Oh, even better. Oh, great. <laughs> in Washington, that makes it even better. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a real sour taste in their mouth. They're going to want to put a whooping on them, even though most of the people from that team won't be there, uh, especially the main seniors um, on, on the Michigan squad. Shoot, even some of the seniors on the, on the Washington squad won't be able to get that revenge, but maybe yeah. the team will. You know, maybe the team will. Yeah, but it's kind of like the team that loses the Super Bowl. You rematch the next year and you beat them, and that's cool. But, like, it's not the Super Bowl. It's not the same as winning the Super nah. Bowl against them the year before. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Michigan would take three straight regular season losses against Washington in order to win this this chip today. So, um, yeah, good, good, good overall game. That's pretty much – obviously, that wraps up the college football season. Uh, it's It's been a wild one. Uh, the last one of a four-team playoff moving to 12, like we said, next year. So we'll see how that one goes. For four, get a bye or something, right? Is that how it works? I don't know. I haven't looked into the detail. I, I just know there's 12 teams that get in, and I think they said the national title game, because of the way it'll work with 12 teams, isn't scheduled until like January 20th next year. So we're going to have to wait a whole other 10 or 12 days on top of this to get to the uh, national title. So that'll be interesting. You know what they should do then is utilize that month between right? where all those stupid bowl games are. Just use that. If you're going to yeah. be having all these extra they games, you might as well – capitalize on that off time to get ready for the first round they can just play in like a week and a half or two weeks max like two weeks yes. and then let's keep moving every other week just like normal you play every week anyway for the most part all season so why yeah. do we make it different when it comes to the playoffs it makes no sense it shouldn't the nfl really doesn't except for the super bowl and that's really for you know drama and resting players so that way they can try build to build up yeah all that stuff plus all they that, kind of do stuff. that stupid Pro Bowl activities event in between that they always keep doing for some reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of exciting. They're trying to do it to where, I mean, these players, it's such a rough sport. You don't want to get hurt doing right? something like that. So they're trying to make it exciting, but yeah, it's kind of weird sometimes. Yeah, it is. Kind of takes us to the NFL, though. Um, since college football is over, uh, the playoffs, especially, but the playoffs are just getting started for 
the NFL. Week 18 has just wrapped up. We aren't going to go into a deep dive into all the games or really give you like a rundown on them because some of them just frankly weren't that important. Um, no, I mean, weren't. maybe for individual <laughs> players and teams and stuff like that, but for the makeup of what is the NFL, that doesn't really mean much. We do have a handful of teams and storylines to go over, though. We're going to kind of combine games and uh, storylines that came out of those games or for those teams. And we're going to start with that Saturday night. Uh, there's oh. two games on Saturday night. Steelers-Ravens in the rain. Steelers uh, did what they had to do. All they had to do was win, and they had to just hope for other things to happen, but that was their their job in order to get in. Ravens played nobody, lost yeah. at home, uh, 17-10. Um, but uh, we, you actually came over. You came over. We hung out for a little bit, watched that game. It was, you know, rainy, so yeah. it wasn't too, too exciting. I think the biggest storyline out of the game, though, obviously besides the Steelers winning, is going to be T.J. Watt and his knee injury. Um I don't yes. know if I've if you heard anything since then. I haven't heard anything, but I can't, I know they said grade three MCL initially, so he's probably not going to be playing in the playoff game this week, I would think. Yeah, I think they've ground they've ground dated it, downgraded it to a MCL grade two, which is still apparently, according to medical experts, a week or so minimum. And you know, I think I think it's more like a two to three week injury. I don't think he's going to be available for their for their game, and I, I don't see them really moving on. So, um, but yeah, that was a, that's a big loss, and it was self inflicted. It was his own guy that ran into him. Absolutely, kind of. And I think the biggest part of it too is the Steelers. You know, they're built on their defense. Their offense is not very right. good. They've been through Rudolph and Pickett at quarterback all year, up and down, back and forth. Now we talked about it when we were watching the game together on Saturday. Like, you know. What's it? He Mason Rudolph did okay, but he was like ten of fifteen. It's not like he threw a bunch of passes. It's basically just hand the ball off. Which no, he's eighteen of twenty. Oh, eighteen of twenty. Yeah, well, it was rainy though. We only had two completions. In the rain, I understand it's more so. But even then, the last couple of weeks, he's not throwing like 35, no. 40 passes. They're running the ball with Najee Harris. They're letting the play action kind of Jaylen develop, Moore. and he's getting the ball out and letting uh, Pickens and those guys get the yards after catch, like Tyree Kill and them do. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't see them necessarily getting too far, especially that T.J. Watt. I mean. I remember you talking about how they're this year, especially their you know, their point differential is in the negative, and somehow they end up ten and seven. How does that even work? Well, they're actually quite good at that because for three straight seasons oh, they've had a winning record where they've had negative, uh, not game script, but negative uh, plus minus. I guess you can say in the box nine seven and one with a minus fifty five. Oh my god! In twenty twenty one. Nine and eight last year with a minus thirty-eight, and ten and seven this year, and they were outscored by twenty points throughout the season. Like you said, when they lose, I guess they lose big, and when they win, they barely win. So <laughs> a win's a win, though, and ten and seven gets you into the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, you said it. I mean, Tomlin gets above five hundred every year, nine and seven and one when they're negative fifty-five. That's a huge difference. Like yes. twenty, you know, that's three touchdowns over seventeen games. That's not that big, but fifty-five—that's a big stretch. But that tells you how good their defense is and continues to be the reason they are where they are. And again, without TJ Watt, I don't know if they're going to be quite the same, but we'll see what happens next week. I mean, they have a whole good defensive unit, but he is the head of the spear. Yes. And uh, without his disruption on the line and rushing of the quarterback, you know, it's, it's not as effective. I won't say they won't be effective in some way, shape, or form, but it's definitely not as effective. That's for sure. Yeah, And you mentioned... So, uh, Quarterback is not their strong suit, but I can tell you the Texans' strongest suit is going to be their quarterback with C.J. Stroud. What a game on Saturday night to go into Indy and win that game on that last drive, especially as a rookie quarterback. 
Yeah, he went 7 of 7 for like 60 yards, made zero bad passes or bad decisions, opened the game with a 75-yard bomb to Nico Collins on the first play. I mean, C.J. Stroud looks awesome, dude. That was a great game on Saturday. Um, and they they look they look so happy when D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud burst into that locker room after yep. a couple of on-field interviews. They were just stoked, man. Going from 3-13-1 last season with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback being able to not only make the playoffs but win the division, especially with all the hype that was around Jacksonville, which is a game oh, that yeah. we'll get to in a moment. Uh, I just props, dude. Props to props to the whole team, but really props to the main people that have kind of put themselves in the position and helped put the team in the position to be successful, which is you know D'Amico, C.J. Stroud, and Will Anderson, man. Uh, really that was a big draft holding team. that defense down. Yeah, and you mentioned C.J. Stroud look good. There was a couple of replays they showed of him making some throws where he's backpedaling, he's on one foot, and somehow he gets the, like that long, high toss that you thought he was throwing out of bounds to just get rid of it, but somehow Nico Collins was able to get under that and straddle it and keep it in before hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. They, they just have a nice connection going. They, you know, Their offense is going to be the reason they win. Their defense is average. I know they played Indian left only 19, which really 17 because of the fake punt thing at the end. But yeah, their defense going against whoever they are in the playoffs is going to be tested a lot more. So CJ Stroud is going to have to continue just showing out, man. I don't. I mean, I didn't expect the Texans to make the playoffs, let alone win this man. No, what that's the AFC South on the last day, and as you mentioned, Jacksonville had this on stranglehold for a long time, and to blow it at the end, Texans took advantage. Yeah, yeah, they look good. They look good. We will definitely cover. To, it's a little early for us. We're going to cover the playoffs. We're going to cover the matchups. We're going to cover uh, who's playing who, who's playing where, and then obviously our predictions. Make sure you tune in to the Thursday episode that we're going to be dropping to kind of get our take on the NFL playoffs, especially going into Super Wild Card Weekend. <clears throat> we'll continue because one of those teams that was able to clinch on the last day, Bucks. They beat the Panthers 9 nothing. I kind of told you it was going to be an ugly game. I yeah, know you were looking you were right. for a big one, but Baker, I mean, I don't think they're that great. They're not a they're a good team, and that's pretty much all. But they beat, you know, they beat the Panthers. Well, Granted, that, it's a division rival on the road, but that still. That was the only reason I thought they might win big is because I figured Carolina's so bad. And, I mean, they did yeah. get shut out the week before. So that's two straight. And didn't you say last time when we did the episode they hadn't been shut out in like 200-something games straight? And then now two weeks in a row they're completely shut out. Their owner – Tepper that we talked about with his temper is a whole nother thing. He's got He already fired the GM again this morning too. So now he's starting from scratch. Apparently he's hiring some agency to come help him, you know, make the next decision to hire a GM coach. It's a mess down there in Carolina. So that's why I thought Buccaneers might, you know, get a big win at home. But, you know, like you said, not like Baker is doing very good. And obviously he still is hurting with his ribs from the week before that he took that hit against, I think it was New Orleans the week before. Yeah. So, but he got his uh, incentives to make the playoffs and make a little extra money. Yeah. A win's a win, bro, right? I mean, anyway, any, NFL, yes. by any means necessary. So whether it's 9 nothing on the road and three field goals, call it, or whether it's a big win at home, who knows. But the uh, Bucks actually, for the first time, I don't know if it's in their franchise history or since their alignment into the NFC South, first time they've won the division title three straight years. Now, granted, two of those were from Tom Brady. Um, but it's not like he was blowing out 13 and no. 3 or 13 and 4 either. He was sneaking in just barely over the uh, cusp. So the NFC South hasn't been great for a while, but hey, Bucks take it for the third straight year. Props to them, I guess, right? Yeah, and that's definitely got to be three straight just in the NFC South cuz remember when the Bucks first came in the league and they were wearing those cream colors and when we were growing up, they were terrible forever. So there's no way they won three straight division titles ever anyway. before this. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, 
But it was, uh, you know, I know that the Pan- the Saints were watching this game closely. I saw some replays of the game, and the entire game they had the Panthers buck score up in the corner that way. Because <laughs> that, that was the only way is if the Panthers, you know, win where the Saints even had a possibility of uh, taking that division. So Yeah, very true. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment as well because there was some controversy around that game. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Before we get there, though, the Browns, although they lost this game, went to the Bengals and lost 31-14. But it was kind of interesting here because this is the first time in the Super Bowl era that an entire division, the AFC North, finishes above 500 with the Bengals finishing at 9-8 and eight with that win over the Browns. So, I mean, three of them are in the playoffs. One of them is the number one seed, and two of them, I think five and seven, are the, are the others. So it's uh, good for them. I mean, I, we saw that this division was going to be good. I had thought that the Bengals were going to be one of the ones towards the top. You yeah. had, of course, picked the, the Ravens the entire time. But, damn, best division in football, I'm guessing, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact that a lot of it's built on defense within all those teams. I mean, you talk about Hendrickson on the D-line in Cincinnati, the Ravens, the Steelers, we already talked about. They're built on their defense. So, mm-hmm. And the Browns are one of the best, if not the best, defense in the league this year. So, But also, if you think about it, it's probably the first time it's ever happened also because they're playing an odd number of games of 17. There's probably years where everybody finished 5 oh, eight and 8 or above, mm. but this is the first time everyone's actually over 500 because it's an actual possibility the last two seasons. That makes sense. That makes sense. Still a great feat. Oh, no, though, I'm not saying don't you. take it away. It's an awesome thing. I'm just, there is a little bit of a caveat there that it probably wasn't, never happened at 500 or better, but now that everyone's able to finish above 500 and not 8-8, eight and eight, makes it a little easier to actually be a possibility. But like you said, the best division in football by far. Too bad all four far. teams can't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty crazy. I mean, it wouldn't have been as fun, but because of having Jake Browning there instead of True, Joe, Burrow. Joe Burrow. But, I mean, we got Joe Flacco and Mason Rudolph and yeah. who knows what. So, I mean, who cares, right? Bring the party if you can. Just did, <laughs> uh, didn't happen the, this one. Whoever it takes to be a quarterback to get you in the playoffs is all that matters. Exactly. And I know the Browns are happy with Flacco, so they're going to be rolling with him. Um, they look good, dude. They're, yep. It's weird because Flacco into the playoffs is a, uh, is a, is a different beam. Again, we'll get to the playoffs on Thursday, but they're going to be an interesting team for sure. Oh yeah, actually want to stay, absolutely want to stay close to those uh, games next week and kind of see what they can do with Flacco. It's going to be fun to watch. But and you mentioned how the you know the Saints were scoreboard watching earlier, trying to see that if the Buccaneers were to lose to the Panthers, they could make it into the playoffs. Obviously, we know that didn't happen now. But dang, did the no. Saints go in and actually take care of business against the Falcons? They just they came out, scored a lot of points. I know a little bit at the end might have caused some problems, which. You know, it is what it is, man. It's the end of the season. Yeah. Guys are playing for their jobs for the next year. I don't know why it was quite as big a deal as it should have been. I mean, it's a, I know it's a gentleman's thing that you don't pour it on. They were up 41-17 to 17 already and scored a touchdown with about a minute and a half or two minutes left. Uh, we have some footage of it, and then Jameis Winston kind of talks about it. It was like a team decision. But Arthur Smith, the head coach for the – well, I'm sorry, oh. the former head coach <laughs> for the Atlanta Falcons was pissed about it afterwards. Uh, let's Let's run the clip. I mean, Jamal Williams led the league last year in Detroit with rushing touchdowns. And that was his first one this season for the Saints. So 
they were just trying to get their guy the the touchdown. He can't, he can't lead the league and then have zero the very next year. You yeah, know what I mean? So they got to put him on the board somehow. Um, Jameis Winston made a good point about uh, what's his name. They 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 just intercepted the ball and they were tackled at the one yard line. Like, yeah. would it have been would it have been super controversial if Tyron Matthew scores the touchdown instead of stopping at the one? Like, I don't know, dude. Like, you want to stop him, Arthur Smith? Stop him. Yeah. Absolutely. And like you said, former coach of the Falcons at this point, Arthur Smith. I mean, they have Bajon Robinson and Kyle Pitts at tight end. They've drafted the last couple of years, and obviously Desmond Ritter is not that good a quarterback. But still, with those weapons, and Arthur Smith was hired because he was the offensive coordinator for the Titans for a few years. So his whole thing is offense, and they can't even do anything with those two really good players and weapons that they have. So, yeah, if you can't stop them and you only score 17, and again, it's not like they – started at their own 20 and drove down the field and right. took a couple big chunks in order to do it. They were right there on the doorstep, man. Like, get yeah. over yourself. You knew you were going to be fired. You were already irritated and mad. You knew that flight home was either going to be the shortest, the longest flight ever before they fire you, or they were going to fire you before you got on the plane in that flight. Before you landed. It really sucked. <laughs> so, but they didn't wait long. I mean, what, it was 12.01 Eastern. I think by the time I got yep. home, before I got home last night from work, it was already fired and gone out the yep. door. 12.01, they said, thank you. But no, thank you. He went seven and ten, seven and ten, seven and ten. I mean, mediocrity mm-hmm. at its best. I get that you don't have your franchise quarterback, uh, but if it was his idea to choose Desmond Ritter, or he had a lot of input on choosing Desmond Ritter, well then, you know, see it to you. Sense. And I think the they're going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft. Luckily, there's a there's a pretty deep draft of quarterbacks. Even if you don't get you know the Caleb Williams or the Drake Mays. You know, the Michael Penix, especially after getting hurt and not looking great against Michigan tonight, he might be able to slip down towards where the Falcons are picking, things like that. I think I think he could fit there. Why not? I mean, we'll see who they hire, I guess. That'll be the biggest decision-making on that point. Yeah. Would they bring an offensive guy or a defensive guy? Because I don't know anybody who plays defense on the – well, actually, I do know Calais Campbell is there, but I know he's not very good. And at this point, he's at you know, the back end of his older. career. He's not what he wants right. Once. Right. Yeah. He was a he was dominant with the oh, Cardinals and with the with yeah. the Ravens. So nothing nothing beast. really to say about him out there. But yeah, a little bit older now. So he obviously is uh not as much of a threat, I guess you could say. But yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, no controversy as soon as the Bucks won. There was nothing that was gonna really come out of the Falcons Saints game except obviously this this craziness. You can see Arthur Smith losing his shit. But Dennis Allen didn't call the play. Now obviously yeah. Arthur Smith doesn't know that at the time that the game is over. Of course. But um hopefully he understands later that Dennis Allen said to Neil and it just got overruled. You know, it I is mean, what it players is. at the end of the day are on the ones on the field hiking and doing what they want to do. If it's a game out of control like this, the coaches only control so much at that point. So it is what especially it is. the last game of the season. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. And plus, I mean, we always talk about how they don't want to pay running backs. You, you said that he went from the leading uh, rushing touchdown guy last year to zero this year until that one at the zero. end. So, yep. you no, know, you want to get your guys some make it worth that the team thinks it was worth bringing them in and giving them the money they did. Yeah, Jameis talks about how he's, you know, really important to the team and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, let's get him at least one. I, I know, to be honest with you, from my perspective, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm not a Falcons fan, obviously. I'm not a, a NFL professional, and apparently that might be Bush League to some people. But who the hell cares? Like I said, you want to stop him? Stop him. him. Yeah, absolutely. And you Someone know, who was definitely was stopped just... was Yes. Dude, your team, bro. I know you didn't want it, but holy crap. Uh, so uh, frustrating. <laughs> I woke up and like had shit to do in the morning on Sunday. So I was like getting my stuff ready, making my smoothie downstairs. And then I was like, oh, I should probably check the Titans score because obviously they're not on TV and I don't have red zone. So I turn right, on my yeah. phone and go to check and they're up 13 to 
three or what 21 to 10 whatever i'm like what are we doing like come on guys i'm trying to get this draft pick and then thank you who's a colts fan text me like you guys better win today i'm like i don't want to win today i want to lose as many games as possible now i didn't end up hurting us too bad i guess we still end up with number seven in the draft but it could have been six or five if we would have lost possibly like come on man what are we doing yeah, uh, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times. Players aren't out here for draft picks. Will mm-hmm. Levis is trying to show his worth. He's also trying to get DeAndre Hopkins, you know, his little uh, whatever he I think he needed seven catches and 30 yards to get his thing. He got seven catches and 49 yards or something like that. So yeah, and it was also he got his incentives. The last home game of the season for the Titans, it's probably Tannehill's last game. It's definitely probably King Henry's last game. So they obviously Henry had a touchdown and played really well, had a couple big runs. And at the end of the day, I guess it's a good way for Henry to leave the Titans because his yeah. whole career, he just dominated the Jags. There's a couple highlights of him slamming people down. I know there's a oh, highlight yeah. of Mariota, I think, doing a fist, like a straight-up drop on a guy when we had to clinch the game against the Jags for a division years ago. So there's been a little bit of a rivalry between these two teams. And as a Titans fan, I guess at the end of the day, we did screw them over. They don't make the playoffs because we beat them. The Texans win the division. And because we do this also, the Steelers clinch a spot, and then the Bills are still alive and make the playoffs regardless of what happened on Sunday night. So. Yeah, now granted, obviously they took the division. We'll get to their game in a moment since they played Sunday night. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. They, they made three teams happy with this win. Their own fans. Uh, well, I guess four. Their own fans happy. Texans take the division because of it. Steelers and Bills clinch playoffs regardless of uh, anything. And that's exactly what the Steelers needed. That's exactly what the Steelers needed, which is funny because um, there was a time where they played each other this year, went to Pittsburgh, Jags did, and, and and they won. And on their way out, one of the players grabs a terrible towel and starts uh, doing some stupid stuff with it. Uh, looks like it came back to bite him. Check this out. Terrible <laughs> towel. Is that allowed? Oh, that's disrespectful now. You remember coming into the game, Trevor Lawrence was very respectful about coming here. One of the cathedrals of the NFL, excited. And then he just, a little throwaway comment, right? Those little yellow towels they do, and that people took umbrage with that. I guess you just don't want to mess with a terrible towel, bro. It's a curse, apparently, because after that game, they went 3-6 and six down the stretch and obviously lost the very last game of the season to not only lose their chance at the playoffs, but hand the Steelers the wild card in their place. Ouch. Well, not only that, I think I heard this morning that when they were, because they went one and five their last six games. And before that, mm-hmm. they were on Monday Night Football, I think. And they talked about at that point in time, they're, them making the playoffs was like 96% chance. And somehow they win, they lose all these games at the end and don't make it because things just don't bounce their way. That's that's a really bad way to go. But like you said, don't mess. That's the other thing, too. I hate when players do this. They talk smack about stuff when it's too early. Stop talking the smack until it's over. I get, I get, you know, like we talked about it with Jamar Chase talking about the Chiefs. Like, you don't even have Gerald Burrow behind you throwing yeah. the ball. Why are you poking the bear in Kansas City? Not that they were playing well when you did it, but that's not the point. Like, stop poking right. the bear when you're not actually that good in the first place. You can talk up your team. I'm all for talking yes. up your team and talking up your guys, but downplaying the opponent like they're trash, especially – I mean, out of everything that's going in Kansas City this year, it's the defense that's really the only thing that's doing well. And that's the thing that you're going to pick on before you go play them at Arrowhead, not Burrowhead, at Arrowhead? I I don't know. Not very smart. But Jags uh, Jags look look bad, bro. I can't believe they finished this poorly, especially with, like, most teams. I mean, I know he was hurt and hobbled a little bit towards the end. But there's teams that got in with their backup quarterbacks, and the Jags had their starter most of the year, and they just couldn't figure it out. 
Yeah, and obviously their defense isn't very good. They fired the defensive coordinator and but some of the mm-hmm. staff this morning. Uh, yep. and that means that Doug Peterson's definitely on the hot seat starting next year too. Because I know yes. he's finished his second season, but if they come out of the gate next year, they're two and five or something. Like, don't be surprised if Peterson's let go at that point either. Yeah, agreed. They need to make a push. It looks like this is actually a pretty tough division, depending on how Anthony Richardson pans out uh, and what the Titans do in the off season, because it was tight all the way down to the very last week between three Jags, Colts, and the Texans. CJ Stroud is going to have another year under his belt. D'Amico Ryan's another year coaching and some playoff experience. So it's going to be actually a little bit more tough division. I don't know what the records are going to look like next year, but the Jags, like you said, better come out swinging because um, they were supposed to win this and win it handily, and they blew it and like, you know, royally. At the there end. was they had one shot at the end fourth quarter that last drive on that second and two, they went a long cross route for Calvin Ridley, and it was almost the same play that he scored the seventy five the big touchdown early in the, the first half. half. He was wide open. The ball was perfect. It was less than a yard out of his. I mean, it hit his fingertips, and he dropped it. If he would have caught that ball, there was no one near him. He would have walked into the end zone. They could have tied it with a two-point conversion and gone to overtime possibly and forced something else. But, again, game of inches, they missed it there. And then, I mean, even the previous possession, they were fourth and one on the goal line or the two-yard line, I think. And Trevor Lawrence tried to do an over-the-top quarterback sneak and just reach the ball out, and he missed it by about a half a foot. So, they had their opportunities and chances, but they just uh, they they fell short. So moving on, they definitely did. They definitely did. Um, someone who has was able to take advantage of theirs was the Packers. They were in a win and get in situation, hosting the Bears. Now, granted, the Bears, you know, have some controversy about what they're going to be doing at quarterback, but their defense has actually stepped up pretty well over the past few weeks, even allowing the Packers to only score seventeen points, which you know they could score more because they routed the Vikings just the game prior. So um, defense is looking good, but this could be Justin Fields' last game as a Bear. I know their their fans were rooting that they they keep him and then they draft help for him, but he just does. I don't know. They don't have terrible weapons right now, especially since they got him DJ Moore. Their line is in the middle of the pack. It's not the worst out there, and they have some. They have a pretty deep. Uh, running back uh, room as well. So with a good defense like that, I think there's, yeah. I think they might be moving on. They I have the first overall pick. They could do whatever they want with it. That's exactly the problem. If it because they don't have their pick, they have Pan- uh, Panthers pick. So if they would have had Correct. their own only, and they were at number ten, then we wouldn't even probably have this conversation. No. Fields would be resigned. They'd be drafting on offensive linemen or trying to trade up and get Marvin Harrison Jr. So he gets a weapon. Yeah. But here we are. They're at number one, and they have number ten. So it's like, well, do you pass on Caleb? Do you? trade back and go to fields and get more capital to get other guys to come in there. That's a, that's a hard decision. And like you said, the fans last week were chanting, we want fields. So, but at the end of the what day, man, that's it. That, uh, general manager, I think is in his, just as just finished his first year there. Eberflus supposedly is coming back as a coach. He didn't get fired today on black Monday. So he's still there. So you would think he's going to be, but yeah, he yeah they got to figure out what they're going to do a quarterback, but the Packers know what they're going to do a quarterback. Obviously Jordan love worked out really well at the end of the year. I think he yes. the last like ten weeks or so he's played really well, and the fact that they're even in the playoffs now, unfortunately, they're gonna have to go to Dallas. But we'll get into that on Thursday. But the fact that they mm-hmm. got there after this rough, they had that quick early start. Everyone was feeling really good. Then they had that rough stretch about week four through week nine, and everyone was like, "Oh no, Jordan Love might not be the guy." They figured yeah, it out, and here they are going to the playoffs. Yeah, I was wrong. There's a couple things that I want to note from one from each of these stats. The uh, comparing Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay to his first Jordan Love's first year. He had more touchdowns, 
less interceptions, more yards, and a higher completion percentage. And it's wow. basically the same freaking team. So it's not like, you know, it's Minus not like they've, they've overhauled it. Okay, you're right. <laughs> but still, I think Lazard Without makes Alan Lazard. like $12 million over in New York, and I think the entire wide receiver core in Green Bay is a combined like $8 million. So the fact that they're not high-paid guys and they're still doing this with Jordan Love just shows you Jordan yeah. Love and knows what he's doing. He obviously learned a lot by sitting behind Rodgers for those couple years, and the Packers just seem to have another How do they freaking do this shit? That's so know. crazy, man. I, I guess good for them, but uh, it is what it is. Go Pack Go. I, I don't see them going far, but... We're going to save all that for Thursday. The other thing that I saw, I think, I don't know if it's the first time, but it's like one of the first times or one of the few times. Montrez Sweat led two teams in sacks this season. The oh, Commanders, no. and they didn't go, they didn't get any more. And then he came over to the Bears and led them in sacks as well. So wow. props to him, man. That was pretty good. I mean, weird trade because, again, their defense is really the only good thing that they have. So maybe shoring it up is, is you know, beneficial. But uh, I thought that was kind of a cool stat to lead two teams in in sacks in the same season. That's just pretty pretty impressive. I would have never yeah. thought of that as even being a possibility. <laughs> no, no. But six and a half, I think it was in um, Washington, and six here in Chicago. So finishes with twelve and a half or thirteen sacks, something like that. Props, Man. not bad, right? No, not at all. I mean, like I said, I didn't even know that was a thing that could be done because I feel like most of the time, when there's a trade or something at the deadline, it's usually an offensive weapon that helps teams to kind of get over the hump. It's very rarely a defensive guy. Well, Von Miller, I guess, from Denver to L.A. when he went there and helped uh, the Rams win. But, again, very rarely is it a defensive like trade. It's usually the offensive side of the ball because of an injury. Yeah, very true, very true. Injuries, though, are definitely piling up for oh. the Eagles, who are freaking mm. limping into the playoffs right now. Dude, they are 1-5 in the last six games, including losses to the Giants. 24 to nothing at halftime they were down and then last week losing to arizona at home they ouch dude struggling. they they look bad dude hurts got hurt <laughs> smith got hurt and brown all got hurt uh you saw you saw jalen hurts uh freaking fingered right yeah and obviously you're a quarterback that's a huge issue to be worried about moving forward and not only that because they lost they're not going to be at home in the playoffs at the first round if the if at all if they continue to move on they're gonna have to go on the road I mean, they yep. went to the Super Bowl last year, so they can they are they have some of that championship caliber, you know, thought way to do things there. But they just, like you said, have limped into the playoffs, and I feel like all their momentum they had at that ten and one start, and even when they were ten one, remember there was reports coming out it was one of the unlocked unhappiest locker rooms for a team that has ten wins in probably the history of the sport. So well, you called it off there. I, I told you those even those four weeks they had won before they finally yeah won, that's they the one I'm talking about halftime every game they struggled to get it's kind of. Again, them and the Chiefs, man, they both just seem to be like in a sludge the la this whole year. You'd seem like they're going to turn the point, and then they're back three steps. And you're like, oh, they kind of figured something out. Nope, they lost again. Like It just, I don't know, just it's hard to get back to a Super Bowl, let alone after you lose it. And they just don't look like they're going to be very well ready for the playoffs at this point. Like No, I mean, they're barely favorites on the road against the Buccaneers who are, you know. Not very good. <laughs> not necessarily what I would consider a playoff con or a Super Bowl contender, let alone a playoff team. Uh, they don't look good. The, I would give an excuse, but the 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 Chiefs, in my opinion, are kind of the only ones who have it. They have been perennial late, you know, playoff run team for basically since Patrick Mahomes has been there for five, yeah. five six years. So I could I could give them a small break, you know. The, but these Eagles, I don't I don't know, dude. They don't look good. I don't. Okay, yeah. we'll get to the playoffs on Thursday, but that one's going to be one of the biggest matchups that. Uh, 
that to awesome. watch this weekend. It's on Monday. I think I think it's a Monday oh, night it's game. The Monday actually, night well. game. Oh my gosh, that sucks for me. I know. <laughs> well, it gives them an extra out, day yeah. to get healthy. I guess. <laughs> I guess yeah, because Jalen Hurts' finger was messed up. So we'll see how he uh, he rolls. But on the other side of that. Well, the Cowboys, who yeah. are rolling hot into the playoffs after beating the crap out of the Commanders. I grant it's the Commanders, but the Eagles could say the thing. It's the Giants. You know what I mean? So 38 to 10 in Washington, lock up the two seed, win the division, and it continues. I was right in the sense that I knew the Eagles weren't going to win. I was just wrong in thinking that the, the Cowboys would throw it. Um, hasn't been back-to-back division winners in the NFC East since 2003, which was the Eagles with Donovan McNabb and them. So it's been 20-plus years of having a different division winner in the NFC East and continues again this year. All right, I need to keep that in mind when we do our picks for next season. Do not pick the Cowboys to win the NFC East. Does not happen (laughs) back-to-back. Yep, does not happen back-to-back, especially with this Cowboys team. I feel like they not lucked their way in. They have to win the games. They had, they beat the Eagles straight up as well, head to head, not um, both times, but the one at home. Uh, but the Eagles kind of handed it to them a little bit. I mean, going one and five in your last six games, that's just really uncalled for. So, uh, but Hey, props to the props to the Cowboys. They were able to take advantage of the woes in Philly and come out uh, the two seed again with the 12 and five record again behind the Niners, unfortunately for them. And uh, we'll see how, see how the playoffs play out for them. Well, the Ron Rivera. Part, though, I was going to say the other part of this, though, is that the commanders fired Ron Rivera this morning during Black Monday. So there is another job opening up in the NFL. I think that makes five at the time right now. And yeah. the weird part to me is, at least the report this morning, is that the commanders hired Bob Myers, who was the GM and the basketball, basketball guy for the Warriors, and Rick Spielman to assist in choosing the new head coach and like operations on manager. I mean, I, I, if I'm Bob Myers, if I'm going to pay me to be a consultant and help, I guess I'm not going to say no. But it's just a very strange from NF, from the NBA to the NFL. It's not nearly the same kind of thought process, I would think, with building a roster or a coaching staff. I think what they're trying to do is maybe get the magic of the idea of the creativity of Bob Myers. But they're pairing him with a former Vikings GM who he knows football and Rick Spielman. Okay. Um, I think that I think that's maybe the combination. Really what he's going to be doing is is – is attracting people to the team, trying to set up interviews. And I think him and Spielman will be going kind of spearheading it together. Spielman bringing the football knowledge, but Bob Myers bringing that, like, I don't know, that charisma. I mean, he built a dynasty, not only out of the draft, but also very tactical trades. He knew exactly when was the right time to let go of Mark Jackson and bring in Steve Kerr. So maybe that's what they're kind of going with. Again, this is a whole new ownership group with Magic Johnson and stuff like that, the basketball guy. So I think they're just trying to do anything different which honestly man is kind of refreshing i mean i'm not a oh, commander's yeah. fan but uh, that's good that because this team has been under poor ownership for too long so it's kind of cool that they're just like you know what hey bro we don't know all the answers it's better than what tepper's doing over I was in carolina just gonna say <laughs> tepper should have done something like this instead of hiring an, an organization to help me should have hired people like this that have already done this and won before but yeah. Yeah, Tepper does what he does, man. And the other thing, too, is I know the commanders, I think, of part of it, too, they've talked about moving and getting a new stadium in Virginia instead of playing at the old uh, FedEx field, I think it's called, that they play at now. That's an old stadium and is run down and in the middle of D.C. They need to get out of there. And actually, I think it's in Maryland, if I think Landover, maybe, yes. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're talking about getting the new stadium in, Mar- in uh, Virginia built. It's going to take a while to get there. But, again, new ownership, looking to do things differently and ultimately make – this team better in the long term. That's what they ultimately want. I actually heard too that there's a, a, a petition going around by a Native American tribe to bring back the Redskins name. 
and bring back the the chief the guy because he was like one of the best warriors apparently of that tribe and stuff like that so you know i know there's a lot of controversy around the name and stuff like that but there's a lot of new things kind of going on in washington uh maybe reverting back to some of the old but i like the idea like the idea we'll see how it plays out obviously for him but just Honestly, trying something new. Why not, I'd right? Be cool if they went back to Washington football team. I think it was a cool name to the stuck out. <laughs> I liked it too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Besides going back to the Redskins, I think Washington football team, like if they if they just want to stay away from that controversy in some way, shape, or form, I think football team was awesome, dude. Yes. Yeah. Actually, they won the division as Washington football team. See? In, in that little mix. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's what they need. They just got to go back. Sometimes changing the name and the logo and – you know, new color scheme like the Broncos when they had Elway all those years went to a couple Super Bowls and lost. And as soon as they changed that logo to the like racing Bronco on the side and the new colors, mm-hmm. they went back to back. So you know, instead of the laser eyed Bronco, that was such yeah. a weird logo to be honest with you. But I mean, hey, whatever, <laughs> whatever works. But they had that you know, it works. They if you change logo, it kind of revamps everybody, gives everybody a new perspective and way of you know being looked at from the rest of the league. And maybe doing that again will give them uh, some more confidence. And I, like you said, new ownership, Magic Johnson, pretty much everything he touches wins or turns, turns to, gold. to gold he just keeps making he's magic so, i mean that's what he does man he makes magic <laughs> dude i freaking love magic johnson so I, i'm kind of rooting for the commanders in a weird way just because of like i like seeing teams like just pro- i have nothing against them dude i, I was mean say, i'm not an eagles giants or cowboys fan yeah so it has almost nothing to do with me they've been pretty bad for a while granted they've had a couple seasons here and there where they've done okay but they haven't really made noise for some time now, especially because of the ownership that they just got out from under. Yeah. So it'd be kind of cool to see what they can kind of do. Um, maybe they'll be the one taking the division next year because, like we said, Doesn't nobody wins that. it two years in a row in the <laughs> NFC East. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to drop that down. I'm going to keep that as an idea for next year when we do picks. Yeah. Note that. Note that. <laughs> um, one, per, one team winning the division seems to be theirs now that the Patriots are bad. Bills. Weird game, 21-14 final in Miami. They were actually down 14-7 late in the game, but some crazy plays, including a punt return, 96 yards for a touchdown, and a tip of the line for the game-winning touchdown in the end zone. It was just some weird, weird stuff going on in, in Miami, but they blew a good opportunity, in my opinion. They now have to go to oh, yeah. Arrowhead as opposed to hosting a team. And uh, ugh, it just um, wasn't a good way to finish the season. They just, they're limping. They're like the Eagles, in my opinion. They're, oh, they're just yeah. limping into the playoffs. Even more so. We talked about it on Tuesday on our last episode that their injury report was through the roof. It was like a, you know, it's like a CVS receipt when they give you the long, all the coupons <laughs> at the end. Yeah, like seriously. Limited practice, no practice, no one. participation. And then even Tyreek Hill. F- limited one day none the next because his house caught on fire and he had to go home and take care of that like not even issues they had to deal with on the field they had no waddle they had no mozart this weekend or yesterday against the the bills so maybe another week off get some of those guys back who knows we haven't heard any reports hopefully we'll get more by thursday when we start to do our picks and figure out who we want to go on the playoffs but yeah now the now the bills get that two seed they get to host at home and then not only that they get to host the steelers who are again defensive minded and the Bills, the offense has been, you know, humming not a lot this week against Miami, obviously, but they've been kind of more of a balanced attack like we talked about. Balance, that's a better way to put it. It'll be yeah. interesting to see without T.J. Watt how much time then, you know, allows Josh Allen to kind of do his thing because he's been playing really well the last couple of weeks. But as you've always mentioned since we started doing this podcast and the football season started back in September, he's very Jay Cutler-ish. So let's see what version yeah. of him we get next week. I mean, they, the the Dolphins didn't have Bradley Chubb, their best defensive 
I mean, I know he's not a lineman. He kind of switches between line and linebacker, but he basically is a pass rusher. And and Allen had three turnovers in the game, two picks and a fumble, I think. So um, he he's still turnover prone. Regardless, they they I didn't I would say they won in spite of him. He obviously had some great plays towards the end there to make sure that the the team got it. But the but the big punt return was kind of one of the biggest swings I could think of, and he obviously wasn't on the field for that. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Again, we're going to save some of our picks and our thoughts on the <clears throat> playoffs for Thursday. But it's uh it's kind of weird, man. I don't know. It's uh it was a it was a crazy way to end the season for sure. Week 18 had a lot of games, and we obviously covered a ton of storylines throughout them. Uh, but I'm excited, excited for the playoffs. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. Well, at the end of the day, like my dad said, when the Dolphins and Titans played on Monday night, and I did not think we were gonna have a chance, he said that's why they play the game because you never know what's yeah. gonna happen. And that'll take us into getting out of football, but going more into the NBA, uh, just kind of some news and notes and updates. Lakers yesterday, they beat the Clippers after the four-game losing streak and all the crap they've been doing the last three weeks. Somehow they show up yesterday and actually look like a team that wants to play defense and try and get a win against the Clippers, who are one of the hottest teams in the NBA at the moment. Yeah, no, great team. I mean, ever since their 0-5 start after the James Harden trade, They've literally been on fire. I think they've only lost like two or three games before the the Laker game the other night. So they've been, being able to slow that team down to only allow 103 points, especially where the NBA is turning into like 120 plus point every single night. Yeah, didn't you just talk about on the previous on the last one? Yeah. episode there was four games at 140 five. or more. Oh, five games, 140 or more, and only a couple of those were in overtime. Most of them were regulation. So the scoring is out of control. So to hold the Clippers down to 103 and get a win is awesome. My favorite part, though, is in the post game, they're doing the locker room interviews and they ask LeBron James, like, how are you guys able to stop and slow down Harden's Clippers? And he was like, nah, this is not Harden's Clippers. This is T. Lou's Clippers. Like, he, I've played for him. I know him. I know how he works. Once he figured out what he needed to do with this team, that's when they took off. So I have to at least give LeBron credit there. He's acknowledging that Ty Lue obviously is a big part of why they are where they are right now as the Clippers. So is that a knock on Darvin Ham? I mean, Kind of, right? <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get Ty Lue in the locker room at this point, obviously, but no, kind of got to be a not. little bit of a dig and maybe letting the franchise know. And, you know, his subtle ways that he tends to do that with social media or some of his answers and post-game interviews and stuff where he talks about, you know, some people within the owner's organization or people outside that kind of make you think about the people you have in those same positions. Yeah, and I don't mean to to bash Darvin Ham, but Ty Lue is a great coach. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just... It's been seeming weird for the Lakers lately, so happy to uh, to get back on track. Love beating the Clippers two and zero against them this season after losing what 12, 11 or twelve straight two previous matchups. Three and zero against the Suns so far this year. Okay, actually that's not that bad. The only teams we can't beat are the ones that are a little bit better, you know, the Nuggets and yeah. things like that. We should have beat the Timberwolves after that, for that stupid controversial. Was it a two or was it a three? Uh, I mean, I thought would only tied the game, but, but we still, the Lakers had all the that. momentum at that point. They could have easily right. won that game in overtime. But the mm-hmm. best part and the highlight of this game yesterday, obviously, yes, thirty-nine-year-old LeBron again somehow. I don't know how he does these dunks anymore. I can't even like jump three, two, two, three feet off the ground, and this guy's thirty-nine <laughs> and jumping and just dunking. He's way He's above the specimen. rim, and dunking on PG on top of it is the best part. Yeah, we have a highlight of that. Let's run that right now. Didn't want to pick up that fourth. Boy, really trying to find two bots. Such good play by AD. LeBron trained down the track. Look out! Blocking foul. That's a three-point attempt. Look out below! <laughs> but LeBron going downhill with a head Whoa. of steam. Paul George 
decided to stand in late and was too far under the basket or in, he was in the restricted area, they said. And so that's going to be a three-point opportunity. LeBron right down the gut goes up and hammers one. <laughs> LBJ. This crowd is still buzzing. <laughs> Tell you what, I don't have a voice tonight anyway, but now I really don't. <laughs> what a play. Well, we see LBJ do something similar to that quite like you know every couple of games it seems and he's right down the middle he decides to take off from the dotted line Ooh. and hammer one look at that man i mean that's a badass dunk for a freaking older player dude, dude. that was oof bro that's nice shook the building that's for damn sure oh, great man. lit up a fire under him too i thought it, i honestly for a second i thought he was going to call offensive foul i'm glad that he called a block because i mean dude was flying since you know Freaking the three-point line. So any anywhere Paul George got in front of him, it was definitely going to be a blocking foul. But I'm surprised great, that great PG play. didn't just move out of the way Oof. and not try to be part of the poster. I mean, like you said, I I thought when the whistle, I was like, wait, what? What was the whistle for? But okay, Paul George was walking backwards, got hit by him, so it's definitely a, a blocking call. But why is he even standing there in that point? If you know you're not going to take the charge, you have no chance. Just get out of the way and don't be a part of the poster. So LeBron just continues to do his thing, man. At 21 years in the league, I just don't get it. Yeah, he's doing more than just dunking, too. I mean, granted, those are only two points, but he is 39,509 points deep into the league. Going to obviously be the first and possibly only, depending on how the league pans out. I know people be scoring 200 points a game now, so maybe not. Dude. But first and possibly only player to reach 40,000 points. He's currently 491 points away. And if he averages what he's averaging this season is 25 points a game, it's about 20 more games until he kind of gets there. There's three games that I picked out of the uh, schedule that I think that's around 20. Um, Lakers play in Utah on February 14th, Valentine's Day. That's the 19th game away. Okay. It's the last game before the All-Star break. So the Ooh. 20th game is the first game back from the All-Star break. Lakers at Warriors. That would probably be a cooler place to do it. Not No offense to Utah. No, um, with all his history with the Warriors and the finals uh, matchups, that would be kind of cool to do it at Chase Center. Yeah, exactly. And then the game after that, which could also be cool because they'd be back at home, is the Spurs and against Wemby, right? The guy who's probably okay. taken over and his thunder. Mm -hmm. Spurs at Lakers, February 23rd. It's a back-to-back -back from the Warriors after the All-Star break. That's game 21. So those you, are the most likely games he's going to uh, break. I'm in. telling you right now, it's going to be before the All-Star break. So that way they can talk about it during the All-Star break. At the All-Star All weekend, Spurs. they'll mention it. They'll give him some kind of award or or memorabilia that a plaque or something first 40,000 point guy knowing LeBron unless he misses a game or two for injury or back-to-backs and can't play because I know he's done that once or twice this year I, I there's no way I think he lets it get into the all-star break he's going to want to get it over with plus the trade deadline is like a week before that on the, the eighth. eighth so he's yep. going to have a bunch of things going on hopefully they're feeling a little bit better and his numbers go up and they kind of open up the floor and he gets it before that even but I definitely don't yeah. think it's going to go to the all-star break there's no way he's going to let that happen if he has any choice I could see that. Then I hope he doesn't do it in Utah. Um, I'll have to go back to see what the Lakers schedule is it, to see who's got the most famous shot in Utah ever. Michael Jordan, there obviously. There, yeah, there it is. Watch him do it on a, on that exact like fadeaway push off shot or something, dude. I'm telling you, like I just everything he does it seems so calculated. There's no doubt in my mind he's got this all figured out when it's going to happen and why.
The game before that is actually, so that Jazz game is the second of a back-to-back. They actually host the Pistons the day prior, Ooh. February 13th. Oh, okay. So it was a home game, and then in Utah. In Utah. So That's a quick flight, though. Uh-huh. That's not too bad. It's not like you're going True. from here to New York or something cross-country. Like, Utah, no, that's probably a, yeah, a, a two hours flight up. So Man, I, I still think they're going to do it. I think he's going to do it before. It might be that home game before. I don't know, but I just don't think he's going to go to the All-Star break with that hand I can see that. his head and be in the story. Because, I mean, even when he broke Kareem's record, he he was really pushing to it. There was going to be like two or three games later on. He's like, no, no, no. We're going to go ahead and get this done right now. Yep, so I can see what you, I see exactly what you're saying. Be excited to see it. Yeah, it's going to be cool. 40,000 freaking points. Like nobody That's, even – I don't I don't Remember, remember we past, talked man. about it. I think this was about a month ago. He was warming up in OKC. Actually, it might have been like two weeks ago now I think about it. Uh, he said, once he hits 40,000, I'm just going to go left-handed for another 5,000 after that. So oh, yeah. Let's see if he holds up to that. <laughs> which which would sound crazy, except that he is left-handed. It's yeah. crazy that he shoots right-handed as someone who is predominantly left-handed, who like writes left-handed, does everything uh, mostly left-handed. But uh, I guess the ambidextrous is what creates one of the greatest players of all time. Helps when you can do it all. Someone who's not doing it all and definitely won't be doing anything for the rest of the season. His This whole season is just done for obviously him. But between the 25-game suspension at the beginning of the season because of the gun controversies with all the videos that he's posting online, and now he's having season-ending surgery, John Morant getting uh, the torn labrum in his shoulder fixed and will miss the rest of the season. That's Grizzlies were kind of done already, anyways, right? Well, yeah, they they I mean initially came back, they were four and oh, and now they've kind of teetered off. They're like six and four in their last ten with him there. So they've kind of calmed down, they're back to five hundred. But it does suck that you do all that work and you go through all the stuff to get here, and then it's a torn later that happens in practice. It doesn't even happen in a game. We didn't oh, I know, didn't see that part. Yeah, the report this morning came out and it happened to practice. It wasn't even like anything really important. So I don't know if it's something because he was out for so long and maybe he wasn't training, something you know, wasn't all stretched out because you, you know, usually when guys miss camp in football or in the beginning of the preseason, then by the time they get going, it takes them a little longer to figure it out because they missed all that. That stuff. was Josh Jacobs this this year. See, there you go. So, so yeah, it took him a minute to get going. You know, torn labrum. I guess that's not a typical like hamstring or quad or something that kind of goes. But again, without all that time. Well, if he wasn't trying to break the rim every time he had the ball, yeah, you know what I mean? Like he, he dude, is angry at the rim a lot. He is one of those guys that just takes all his anger out on the rim every time he's up there. Yeah, so not only is it the slamming motion, but if you if you're if you're, you know, six to eight feet in the air, the falling motion, unless you land perfectly, you could be landed on that shoulder. So I didn't see exactly how he heard it. It's crazy that it happened in practice, but he's just he's a violent player. He needs to learn how from Westbrook how to take care of his body being that violent because yeah. that's something that Westbrook basically does and does it pretty well. So um kind of sad. Again, I'm not necessarily a Grizzlies fan. I I'm not a huge John Morant fan. I'm not a hater. I don't like dislike him. I'm just like neutral about him. I think he needs to develop a lot more of his game um, than what he has. Cause right now he's average at best on defense and his really only point of attack is just, like I said, smashing the rim. So yeah, his develop a three, develop a shooting has, you know, slowly increased and been a little better, but not incremental where you're like, Whoa, that's a big jump. He went from 25 to 32%. Like it's a very small thing, but Maybe this is one of those things, having that torn labrum makes you kind of reevaluate how you want to come back and, and adapt your game to the next year. Because the the famous story about Magic Johnson, too, going back to him since we talked about him earlier, every season mm-hmm. when they were in the offseason, he would have a new move that he would work on all summer and add to his repertoire. So every year it was, okay, well, I have this move from my first three years that I've learned. I have three different moves. Now here's my fourth one. Here's my fifth one. Like he continuously added and changed, and that's what you have to that's do. That's what great players do. Your game, especially as you get older and you lose that athletic ability. I mean, 
That's what LeBron uh, did. Carter is one of those guys too. He was dunking a lot early, and as he got older, he started stretching out. And then his three point shooting the last couple of years was his like bread and butter. So you got to mm-hmm. evolve and adapt your game as you get older because your body eventually is going to stop letting you do some things that you used to be able to do without thinking. He's a career 31.8% three-point shooter, definitely below league average. And this yeah. year he was shooting uh, 27.5%. So yeah, granted, he started off missing size. 25 games. Yeah, so small sample size, but shooting six a game. You know, it's not okay, like he's that's, shooting that's a only a couple. So 27.5%. He needs to work on a little bit more than just slamming the ball into the hoop. Granted, it's pretty to watch. It's super oh, fun. Yeah. It gets everybody riled up, but it still only worked two freaking points. But and then he doesn't it looks even like a lot of injuries. Contest, so what's the point? Right? <laughs> what's up with that, dude? I don't know. Is it the fact that you're a star player? Not even just him, because LeBron yeah. never did a dunk content. Like, I'm not even, this isn't even at jaw. This is just star players in general. Yep. Is it because you don't want to lose? Like, you, you're you the star, so you have to win. But yeah. if you don't do well, then some of the guy who, like, I don't know, Mac McClung will come <laughs> in and, and take the take the championship from you. I, I don't know. I wish more star players would do it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's kind of like the home run derby in baseball. Not everybody, the big home run hitters end up doing it, but it is what it is. Yeah, well, what's his name? Uh, from the from the Mets. That's that's like his fucking favorite thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, he can keep doing that because ain't gonna be making the playoffs probably the next couple years. The way they kind of ruined building that roster out last year, anyway. So yeah, enjoy your All Star breaks and do your home run derbies while you can. Right, that's his. uh, That's his time on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Someone who um, also got hurt. We're hoping that it's not too major. Uh, got hurt tonight, actually. Tyrese Halliburton um, played the Celtics tonight. They won 133 to 131, or 132 to one. They won by two points in the yeah, 130. 130, bro, in regulation, dude. It's like so many points scored, dude. It's crazy. But he actually did like the splits and kind of had this weird. He's gonna have an MRI tomorrow on his hamstring. Let's um, let's show the clip real quick. Love his demeanor. Oh, oh Halliburton did the splits. Oh, that's not good at all. Gets called for the travel. That did not look like it felt good. That's the second time he slipped around the restricted area over here. No, this is not. This is not good. Oh man! Ripped it up. Yeah, I mean rehab now is so much better and these guys I I've never felt the same. Man, this is this is a tough side. They're carrying him off. Man. Can't even see his face. That's tough, man. One of the most exciting young players in the NBA. Waiting to be an all-star starter. He got his organization heading in the right direction. Ouch. That looks, that looks that looks painful. He's well, dude. He's so good. Oh, he's so good. But, and not, and the, ouch! Not only does it look painful, but the fact that it wasn't even like an injury, like somebody didn't push him or shot. I mean, he just slipped on the floor, and it just was one of those that probably didn't have a chance to mop the floor in between, you know, transition up and down, and just maybe hit one of those sweat spots and just totally lost his grip and just. I hope is I hope it's just a hamstring thing and not a knee issue because his knee even looked like it tweaked a little bit to the opposite direction. So. You know, you hope it's a minor thing, and I mean, the fact that Indiana is even competitive is because he's there and he distributes yeah. the ball so well and doesn't even turn it over very often. So, hopefully, he's okay. We'll see what the MRI comes out with tomorrow, and we'll probably have an update on Thursday by the time we get back on to record. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's you know, I'm sure it's, it looks like he's gonna miss even even if it's one game, it looks like he's gonna miss some time because he had to get carried off the floor or at least helped off the floor. Um, 
So hopefully it's just not not a ton, not a ton, because they're an exciting team to watch for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they talk about offense. They're the highest scoring offense in the league, I think. And at one point we were talking about them being the highest offense in NBA history by the end of the year. Yeah. So they're definitely a score. They just don't play a lot of defense. <laughs> which is why the Celtics were able to basically kind of keep up with them. I was talking to Lafayette. He was disappointed because he was like, oh you telling me this guy got hurt in like the second or third and we couldn't figure it out. Like, ah, I, this, this, the whole team is good. I mean, I know he's the head of the snake, but still it's well, not, TJ it's not just Tyrese. Their backup and he's a legit point guard too. Like, even though he doesn't start and play a lot of minutes compared to most nights, he still knows how to run an offense and distribute the ball and not turn it over. So it's just more of a, as long as the other guys continue to do their thing. And then uh, Benedict Matherin had like the game winner free well, game winning free throws after the free throws stops. So, you know, they have some scores and some punch there on the offensive side of the ball, regardless of Halliburton's in there or not. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of punch. Oh, this one is not the offensive punch. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Not, not an offensive punch. This is just a, uh, well, I guess he was on offense when he punched, but um, Draymond green <laughs> officially has been a minute since we've talked about him, but officially been reinstated. NBA brought him back. Uh, he returns to practice. He missed 12 games. Um, I know the Warriors are going to happy to, huh? I knew it was going to be probably 12 to 15 based on kind of how everything was going to go down. Yeah, he needed to he needed to kind of take a second to just think about things, slow down for a second. I know the Warriors are going to be happy to have him back. He's oh, yeah. an integral part of what they do, not necessarily on offense, but as a team as a whole. And uh, well, partially on offense, he's the setup guy, stands at the top. He's like a smaller Jokic and not yeah. as talented. And especially with Chris Paul fracturing his hand and having surgery and being out another four to six weeks, you lost another point guard to run the offense. So you would think Draymond coming back will help have him run it through him and Steph and uh, hopefully kind of get everybody. I think Pachemski's going to end up starting now because of Chris Paul's injury, which I think Pachemski's amazing and a great player anyway. Dude, so yes. The more they can play him, the better. Uh, there's even talk about now the deadline they might be interested in trading Wiggins to then open up more minutes for Kaminga. There's a lot of things going up there. And not only is Draymond coming back, it's there was rumors that I guess during this time he was off that he considered even retiring and Adam Silver had to kind of talk him off a ledge and out of that idea. Yeah, there's probably a lot of people that he's probably just want to do the stuff, yeah. whatever the NBA was required. He's like, fine, I don't want to do it. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to say he was pouting, but um, my assumption is that he just didn't want to take, not take responsibility because he took full res- – well, no, he didn't. We we watched the interview. <laughs> he took partial responsibility of it, but I think he just didn't want to have to go through the the grudge of trying to get through everything. Um, but he's back. He wants to get paid, obviously, so that's – I was going to say there. there's, I think, $75 million over the next three years he might want to come back. <laughs> exactly. I think it's kind of crazy, though, that they want to trade Wiggins. Not crazy in the sense that they can improve, obviously, by bringing somebody in, but I've, in my opinion, obviously Steph was the main guy, so I'm not going to – Besides Steph, Wiggins was the reason they beat the Celtics oh, yeah. in the finals uh, two years ago. So he's an integral part. He The wing is basically the most important position in the NBA now, especially if you have a good one. And he is the one who defends them. Draymond's a little too old and a little too slow, and he's the one who defends the best wing on the other team. Steph is undersized, obviously. Yeah. Clay is playing on one leg. So it's kind of weird to see, but I guess you know if Kaminga is stepping up, well, in, in filling that role. Not then. only that, if you look back, really, uh, the year after they won the title, you know, he was okay when they came back, Wiggins, but even yeah. then, then he went and had that time he missed for a long time. We never heard exactly what was happening, if it was a sickness or a family issue. There was never really a, a for-sure report of what took place, and he hasn't really sure. been the same ever since that time off. So I'm wondering if something happened to him, and again, we never just found out what the details were, and it affected him to the point where... He's just not the same player he was at that time. And, you know, 
Jordan Poole wasn't the same player he was the year before. Now I know that was again because of Draymond punching him, but still, <laughs> you have that magic sometimes. Draymond punching for, somebody. <laughs> yeah, you have magic sometimes just on a team and a, and a roster for that one year, and that's your run. Most teams don't get multiple title runs like the Warriors had five straight finals runs. Like that's not a normal thing. You usually get one run. No. Maybe back to back if you're lucky, but beyond that, you usually get the one opportunity and they took advantage of it. And now Wiggins and them are getting paid, but probably not worth the amount of money they're making. So the Warriors got to look to to move him and do something different because the tax bill is coming after all those titles and re-signing Draymond. You mentioned Clay's playing on one leg. He also is a free agent at the end of the year. Do they bring him back or does he leave and we finally break the Splash, Splash Brothers up? There's a lot of things going on up in Golden State. Good thing Bob Myers left when he did. Go, good job, I guess, working for the commander. Yeah, smart. Yeah, right. Definitely <laughs> smart. Definitely smart. It's just weird to kind of see. Yeah, but to your point, I mean, Bucks won. Haven't really played that they could do you know much back. That the most recent one that I think that kind of looks good, but still, it's a gauntlet to get there is Denver, right? I mean, yeah. they as the current champs, they look good to try to set themselves up for another title run. Uh, but yeah, it's it's hard, man. It's definitely hard. Jordan Poole though looks like a great release to them. He currently leads the league in the worst plus minus amongst every single NBA player, and right behind him is his teammate Kyle Kuzma. So, oh, um, it was definitely good to get out of that. They put him up. They paid a bunch of money because he did contribute to their finals run. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to him. He wasn't necessarily the most important piece, but 20 points off the bench is hard to stop. Um, He had a couple of those buzzer beaters in those finals against the cell. I mean, he had all, he had that feeling of the momentum of the splash brothers, like in their heyday, he kind of fit that vibe. I mean, his name is pool. So it's definitely perfect for the splash brothers combination, but you know, again, they took the magic the year they had it and it worked. And now he's off in Washington and nobody's paying attention. So he just gets to play ball and get paid and, you know, hope for the best. Yeah, not the, I mean, that's kind of where it's sad. That's where everybody goes to just like end their career, it seems like. Or even if they start there, that's their career is over, a la John Wall and Bradley Beal. I know Bradley Beal finally got out of it from, and now he's sitting in Phoenix, but still. That's uh seems like the place to go and die. Hopefully, hopefully the commanders <laughs> to, to change Washington a little bit for the uh for the sports at least for them. I mean, I know the Nationals just won, so they got some winning recently. Yeah, that's true. They did get a title in 2019, but that seems like forever ago now. Yeah. Well, Which, who who know, did they beat and on their way there again? Uh, yeah, I think it was the Dodgers in the in the NLDS for sure. Which, that's right. As we know, they signed another guy to help them try to get an opportunity to get to a World Series again. They signed Teoscar Hernandez, the outfielder, one year, twenty three point five. But again, eight point five of it's deferred, so there's more deferred money now. He's a great player. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. He's actually really good in Seattle last year. He is an All Star one time. He's got, uh, I think last season he hit 258, 26 homers, 93 RBIs, and seven runs. And that's in the Seattle team that wasn't very good. I mean, they were competitive for a wild card spot, but kind of fell at the end there. Um, He does have 25 or more home runs in four of the past five seasons. And I think uh, one of those was also the 2020 season. So there wasn't enough games. Um, But my whole thing with this deferred money thing, and this is just me, and it has nothing, the fact that it's the Dodgers makes it worse for me because obviously, as Dimebag fans, we're in the NLS and we don't want to have to deal with them. But the biggest thing for me is, is how much are you, why should teams be allowed to defer for all these players? You should only be able to do it for like a player here and there, but it's just out of control. I mean, you look at the deferred players, like active players right now that have deferred money on big contracts. Shohei Otani, obviously we know he deferred a bunch of it. Buki Betts, 115 million of the 365. So he's deferred that as well. Freddie Feeman, 57 of the 162 that he got. Like why, why are they allowed to keep doing this? And I get it. That's not, and the CBA is not going to change until 2026 when it comes up again. But 
I just don't understand why you shouldn't be able to continue. You should, why you should be able to continue just keep deferring all this money and taking a difference of a percentage of it on the actual salary cap. The whole point of this collective uh, tax to keep everybody, you know, competitive is to give everybody a chance to like have to to win and play. Now I know baseball's weird in October. The highest payroll doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to win. The Yankees have been doing it forever. But this is Sox. another level, but, bro. They're literally buying a World Series yeah, opportunity. Absolutely. And again, as a baseball fan, like not just a Dimebag fan, I'm taking my Dimebag hat off at this moment. I am a diehard baseball fan. I buy the MLB TV package every year to, yes, watch every Dimebag game if I can. But if they're not playing, I'll put on every, whatever best matchup for the day is. Or you got like six matchup. games going on at a time, right? Dude, well, not only that, they have MLB Beginning, which is their like red zone, and they'll do four oh, split okay. screens for you if there's enough games. And there's and I love having that on. I love having baseball on and just watching the game. I played it a lot as a kid. I wasn't very good, but that doesn't mean I don't love the sport and understand the intricacies right. of what goes into it. That's why even in October baseball, I hate watching October baseball when the Dodgers are in it because I'm so nervous that they're going to win because I don't want them to. But I'm still going to watch the World Series regardless of who's in it. Like, even if I don't want a team to be there, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to watch it. And it has nothing to do – and that was before we started recording a podcast. Like, it has nothing to do with that. Right. I just love baseball. I will watch any baseball and basketball for that matter. Any game that's on, if it's on TV or I have an opportunity, I will watch it. So, like, as a baseball fan, to see them just continue to defer all this money and just get all the best players – I hope that they just keep doing it, but they never win anything for it. Like just build like a normal organization does and try to win the right way. And now I know the Texas Rangers won the world series here. Their payroll was high for a couple guys, special Simeon and Seager who they brought in on huge contracts, but this, that was it. But I don't know how much is deferred. I'm sure there's deferred some money there, but maybe there isn't, but this deferred thing is just getting out of control where they're just, I mean, say Oscar Hernandez is deferring 8 million. He's not that. He's not Otani. He's not Freddie Freeman. Right. He's not Betts. Like he's not on the level of those guys that should be deferring money later. Just get the money and get it on the tax and everything. And again, you're gonna go over it because it's not a hard tax or cap in MLB. I get that. But so again, stupid. as a baseball fan, give everybody an opportunity to at least pay the real money that they're supposed to get in the moment, and it not count for later when we don't have to deal with it. And like. We talked about it, uh, I think, earlier in the year. Strasburg, or not Strasburg, wow, he's still getting deferred money from Washington. But True. Max Scherzer, he's Scherzer. getting deferred money from the Nats. He's getting deferred money from the Mets, and he's getting paid by the Rangers this year. That shouldn't be happening. He should be getting paid by those teams while he's on those teams. It's like, I just Great. don't understand why that baseball allows this to happen, but it's within the rules, so they're not breaking any rules on that side. No. But again, at the next CBA in 2026, I hope this is something that comes up because if they continue to do this and they do win a couple titles between now and then, I feel like the owners of the other teams are going to really start to get frustrated. And if not, do the same thing, and then we're really going to get out of control with this deferred thing. It's just it's too much. It needs to it needs to be brought back a little bit. Agreed. And honestly, the deferred stuff is the weirdest part. That what they really also need to do is figure out a way to include whatever you know you're paying on this year's cap. But they need to have a cap. Yeah, they're the only major sport that of the four major ones in the United States that don't have a salary cap. You talk about hockey is to the freaking penny, dude. They football, are bro. Yeah, football. They cut people left and right to make sure that they're staying under here. And then basketball, they have to pay enormous luxury tax fees when they go over. Um, and and some of that and that money goes to the league instead of the smaller market teams. Baseball just needs to get up with the times, like. Billion dollar contracts have been like billions of dollars have been handed out by the Dodgers, like Dude, just just for like well, a couple like two players. It's, it's they getting... spent a billion between Otani and uh, Yamamoto, 
But I guess as a Dimebag fan, we went to the World Series and our payroll was like, what, 130 to 140? They're at like yeah, 280 yeah. or 290 at this point. So I guess if I feel one thing out of it, we got to the we got to the Dodgers so badly that they had to go spend a billion dollars on two players. <laughs> yeah, no, they were pissed. They for sure like well, yeah, good. But yeah, <laughs> this whole thing is this whole thing is just ridiculous. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm glad that you kind of brought it up. It's just it's it's getting out of hand, and um, it has again truly has not they're not breaking the rules like you said. No, yeah, you know, it has nothing, nothing to do specifically it. It just, with the Dodgers. They just happen to be the ones doing it. As a baseball fan, it's just frustrating. The other thing too, MLB, get your blackout. TV shit, you know, figured out. It's ridiculous. I pay for the MLB TV, and every time the Dimebacks play the Dodgers or Angels, even if they're in Arizona, I get blacked out because I live in the area. That's stupid. I pay the money to want to watch the Arizona channel. Give me the Arizona channel. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Ugh, Manfred's a Nobody wants Spectrum Sportsnet's Dodgers. Okay? No, nobody I don't want to hear Gary Harrison Jr. and all those guys I don't care about do analyst work. I just want to watch the game. Can I please... I know Bob Brinley's not the greatest color guy for the TV on that side, but I don't really care about Bob Brinley. I just want to support the, the Arizona feed and give them the opportunity as a fan of their organization. And if I'm yeah. if I want to watch the Dodgers play somebody else, maybe I want to listen to the other broadcasts. I hear all the Dodgers. It's not Vince Scully anymore. Not that Joe Davis isn't good, but I want to see. I want to hear some other guys across the country that do this really well. There's a couple. I think it's the radio guy in, in Washington that's really good. I don't know any of these guys' names off the top of my head. The uh, TV guy in Baltimore, I think, is the – oh, man, the guy who used to do hockey for the ESPN back in the day. I can't think of his name either. Hmm. Uh, Bob, the guy Bob, – Bob Miller, who used to do Sunday Night Baseball, is the Giants guy up in San Francisco. Like, there's a lot of really good broadcasting teams out there, and I'd like to be able to listen to them regardless if they're playing the Angels or Dodgers. Like, get your blackout stuff figured out on MLB TV. It's frustrating. Yeah. All right. I think I got all my baseball anger out of me. Okay, now. good. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to stay in the NL West. And speaking of those giants that you just talked about, they do uh, make a small move. Of course, everything's under the radar of the Dodgers. Uh, but they acquire former Cy Young winner Robbie Ray oh, from yeah, the Mariners in exchange for outfielder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for uh, outfielder Mitch Hanniger, uh, pitcher Anthony Desclafani, yep, and some cash. Yeah, Mitch Hanniger played um, in Seattle before, I think from 2017 to 22. So he's going back to where he's had kind of some of his best years. And he was excited uh, based on his social media posts about being back up in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, again, they have a competitive team. They were in the wildcard chase all the way until the last weekend yeah. last year. So they're building something up there. Uh, you know, Robbie Ray did have Tommy John in May this past season. So he's not going to be back in probably until June or July if you're the Giants. But yeah, depending on what the Giants year, have right? as far as pitching in their, or, uh, you know, the younger part of their organization, they might be able to kind of figure that out. Plus, they're big, big analytics driven now with Gabe Kapler as the coach and Farhan Zaidi as the GM who once worked for the Dodgers and Andrew Friedman. So, you know, very similar thought process as you get guys that are kind of coming off of Tommy John in a sense. Usually the Dodgers do it where they sign a guy who just had the surgery to a two year deal. The first year is basically just all rehab. And then the second year is like, well, if he's good, we only have to pay him a couple million. If he's not, you know, right. we lose a lot. Now, this is different because. Robbie Ray does have six, three years, $73 million left on his deal that he signed when he went to Seattle. So there's a little bit more money on that end. But again, if you're the Giants, you have to try to do something. And if you're an analytics-driven team, maybe there's something they saw in him last year before he went hurt that he had a good start, and maybe they can build on it from there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, rooting for anybody but the well, – I'm not really rooting for the Giants, I guess. But hey, I'd rather against the Dodgers, Dodgers, that's for damn sure. Yeah, true. We don't true. live amongst Very Giants true. fans as much as we live amongst Dodger fans, so let's be honest. Although they do come out of the woodworks when they're good all of a sudden. You start seeing freaking San Francisco true. Giant hats around here. You're just like, Well, a lot of those NorCal people move down here because it's better down here. The weather's better. It's nicer, so I get it. I mean, how I had two roommates in my freshman year of college that were both from NorCal and saying hella every other word, so I get it. They all want to come down here. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a better market. We, oh, yeah. we love LA. Which, speaking of markets um, and LA, not that it's in LA because it's in Anaheim, but there was an NHL trade today that I kind of wanted to go over a little bit. It involves the Ducks. Yeah. It was kind of came out of nowhere. Um, having now that, you know, obviously I work in the organization and was working today in the team store. So I kind of knew this was happening before it came out to the world. Uh, we did get a call this morning to pull all the Jamie, Jamie Drysdale merch off the floor, get it out of the into the back room. Like, that was all we were told, but obviously I can put two and two together. I know something. Yeah, going you're on not behind an idiot. the scenes. Uh, later in the afternoon, they, it turns out they traded him to Philadelphia with a 2025 second round pick to get forward. I hope I say this name right. I tried to practice it. Cutter Gucciay, I think. Gauthier, is that what they said? Ah, oh, man, I've to- I totally butchered that. Um, I already forgot. <laughs> but the fact, the, the thing that happened here was because I have a staff member that's huge into hockey much more than I am. So he gave me some more details about this. I guess Cutter was on the USA team that just won the World Juniors last week. So he's very young. Oh. He's still in college at Boston College. Uh, he was drafted by uh, Philadelphia a couple years ago, and it was a fifth-round pick, or number five pick overall. Uh, Jamie was Ooh. number six, so they're very similar in as far as where they were drafted in the draft by the teams. But apparently he told the organization in Philly he didn't want to play or sign with them. And if they didn't sign him to a certain extent at a deadline, he would then go back into the draft and and then be kind of you know back up into whoever wanted to take him. So now Philly did a really good job of keeping that all silent because nobody knew any of that until after the trade broke today. Um, but I did have another little inside info, which I thought was really cool. When we were getting ready to close, uh, there was three scouts for the organization who came in to shop and buy some stuff because I think they're getting ready to go on a road trip and scout some players. And they, the one guy asked us, like, hey, they kind of made a big trade today. And we were like, yeah, actually, we saw that. You know, Jamie's out. And the, uh, my staff member, Aaron, was like, yeah, I was kind of bummed. He goes, oh, don't be bummed. We're, we're getting a good good guy out of this. Oh, Cutter's I mean, good, huh? I was like, oh, like you could tell. He, he Obviously, he's a scout. He knows way more than scout, I do. Scout, yeah. So he could – he felt really confident about that. And I said, well, I mean, we gave up a second round pick too, though. So I'm assuming there was some kind of a, you guys, the organization talked to his agent and got like an, a, for sure, like he's ready to sign with yeah. us. Cause he said he didn't want to sign a Philly. He goes, Oh, we wouldn't have added uh, a draft pick in there if we didn't get the, that. Okay. And I was like, okay, that's good. To okay, know. He good. goes, but part of that second round pick too is, is Jamie, even though we've had him for four years, he's missed about a year and a half of that with a uh, shoulder injury for all of last season, I think. And then another injury to start this year for, about 2025 20, games. So I think that was more of a kicker because of his injury pass. Cause a couple years ago, the flyers traded for, I think Ryan Ellis and they did not get any draft pick compensation with him. And he only played six games for them and then got hurt and then ended up like not ever playing for the organization again. So I think they're also no. kind of worried about the long term If Jamie doesn't end up staying healthy, which there's a lot of upside for him. They've talked about him within the ducks organization for a while, but they're also very heavy at D. They have a lot of young guys coming up. I think Oswegler is the other guy that's going to come up shortly here in the next year or so. So to get another forward and another younger guy, you know, a little bit cheaper contract probably, and another, another weapon on the offensive side to continue to grow. Uh, so it sounds like we uh, we might have made a good deal and everything, and on, at least on the organization side, everyone's feeling good about the decision to unfortunately let Jamie go. I know he's a fan favorite. A lot of people love him. I think Kim and Zegers are actually roommates too, so I guess he's going to have to find a new roommate. <laughs> hmm. Maybe it'll be Cutter. I mean, if, if and when I mean, he comes over team usa as well so i'm sure they're buddies because you know a lot of those guys go through juniors and the organization and all this stuff like from 12 to 18 so you probably play with some of these guys or train with them and know them pretty well even though you're not on the same team and the same age bracket so yeah it'll be interesting yeah. to see what moves forward but i just thought it was kind of cool to get some inside info that i normally wouldn't have gotten yeah. obviously if i wasn't working there today yeah that's pretty cool i mean we'll see how it pans out on the ice obviously um and when he's finally able to kind of suit up 
and come over. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I like the thanks for the inside info, bro. right? I, and then you know, I, it's funny because as soon as they told us to pull the Drysdale stuff, I was talking to Tim in the back room. I was like, "Dang, too bad I can't talk about it on the podcast because the trade hasn't happened yet. I don't want to give out anything I'm not supposed to." But then the right. trade happened today. I was like, "Oh, sweet, now I can talk about. It. I can give all the inside right. info I got now." <laughs> that's what's up. Nice. Glad it worked out that way. Glad it worked out that way. Oof. Well, that was a uh, long Ooh. slate of stuff to talk about. Obviously, on. heavy in football since it's that prime season. But uh, man, we talked. We covered pretty much all four of the major sports, now. Yeah, we did a little bit of everything. I went on a little bit around about baseball because I was pissed off when I saw that yesterday about the day Oscar thing. So I was just like, I don't get this deferred thing. So I had to get that off my chest. I feel a little bit better now. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you feel a little bit better about it. But this episode, of course, is not over. We are bringing it back. I know it's been a moment. We've been getting through the holidays and me being sick and stuff like that. But it is Monday, isn't it? Oh, I'm so excited. Let's do it. What does that mean, bro? Milk Monday. Milk Monday. I cannot believe a fine woman like this produced a guy like Stiffner. Dude, I took some MILF. What the hell is that? M-I-L-F. Man, I love facts. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Milf Monday. Monday. Nice, bro. We're back at it. We're back at it. So what fact do you have for me today, bro? So since we're going into the playoffs, I thought it'd be cool to include this fact because both these teams did end up making the NFL playoffs, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Eagles. Uh, During World War II, because obviously everybody was in service at that time, and Mm. the NFL, I don't know if it was technically called the NFL at that time, but the football league that was uh, in an organization at that moment, uh, they didn't have enough players for both the Steelers and Eagles to have a team. So what they did was is they kind of combined the two teams and at least had enough on the roster to play. And not only did they combine them to play together and just go by one name, they combined the names and they were known as the Steagles back in 1933. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess they're all in the same state, so that kind of helps a little bit, right? Yeah, so, so the Pennsylvania Steagles, is that what they went by? The Pennsylvania Steagles? They just Steagles? said they just formed the Steagles. I don't even know if they had the city names involved with the teams back then because since they weren't one or the other, they probably don't want to have to choose and make the city. I mean, they already hate each other within those. That's what you call it, the state. So yeah, they, they went to the Steagles for 1943 back in that season. Huh? I never knew that. That is hilarious. Well, hey, appreciate the service. I know pretty much everybody who was there is probably dead, but yeah, uh, and funny. hopefully not because of the war. I'm just saying, you know, based on age. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, thank you for your service. Honestly, thank you or anybody who kind of serves in our military. We appreciate your service. Uh, we wouldn't even be able to sit here free doing what we do without it. So, um, so thank you. Yeah, for sure. that's a cool fact. Yeah, I like that. Like I said, I just thought it was funny in the fact that they both made the playoffs this Steagles. year. One barely because of some other teams helping, but the other one limping in, like we talked limping about. Limping in. Wanted to at least mention that the Steagles were a thing back in the day. That is hilarious. That's pretty cool. Learn something new for sure. We got a bunch of facts. Uh, it's been a minute, but um, on Mondays we had them, and sometimes on our later ones we got some history. Where can they find more if they want to check them out, man? Yeah, if you want to see our former uh, MILF Mondays or our This Week in Sports Histories or any of our five – yeah, got five on it that we were doing in the beginning before we started losing too much money, uh, too go much money, and yeah. find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube by searching Our View from the Bench. Also, man, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out at RViewFTB. How's uh, – I know it's Monday. we got a long week ahead of us. How's your week looking, bro? Actually, this is going to be nice. The Ducks are on a road trip. Uh, so oh, yeah. It's to do at the store, but pretty calm this week. I do have a concert coming up this weekend, but we'll get into more on that on Thursday's episode. But, yeah, pretty easy week for me. Uh, I do have, I think, therapy tomorrow and then working at the Great Park store. So not going to probably do a whole lot. I'll probably be prepping for the concert stuff because it's pretty slow when I'm usually at Great Park. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, not a whole lot going on this week. Pretty calm. How about you? 
That's good, man. Uh, good making sure you're taking care of your mental health. I know we talked about that previously. Yeah, I did mention that before. If anybody at do. any point in time you're having a rough time or going through some stuff, please reach out to a friend or a family member. Or if you can't or you don't have anybody close that you trust, there's also all kinds of numbers you can look up on the internet. I know the L.A. County Mental Health Hospital. Uh, organization is a big part of uh, ESPN 710 LA they talk about a lot that a lot lately so yeah and don't be don't be afraid to talk you know get into therapy and get somebody to talk to you I know it's all new for me and trying to figure some things out in my personal life but again just want to make sure everyone knows that it is something that everybody should probably look into if you really think you need it especially yeah Nice. Um, but my week is looking pretty normal, I guess. My dad's going to come up and hang out for a little bit, so I'm going to go out to dinner with him on Wednesday. Uh, but other than that, just normal school stuff. Pod on Thursday. we got the NFL playoffs to kind of talk about, discuss, dive into. We'll get deep into that, try to talk about some of our picks and stuff like that. But, man, other than that, just a, just a normal old week for me. Still trying to get over this freaking cold, dude. I'm not 100% tired and stuff constantly, so trying to just – Get through that. That's for sure. Nice. And the other thing, too, is not only will we preview Thursday for the uh, upcoming weekend, we'll go back and maybe see how many division opponent, uh, winners and wild card spots. We oh, did, yeah. We did pick before the season uh, the, what we thought was going to be in or not, and I think it'd be nice to go through and at least see how many we got right. I think we each got a couple, but not very, not 100% for sure, I can tell you nope. that. Yeah, for sure. Some some teams definitely fell off when we thought they wouldn't. Jags being namely the one that I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And the rule yeah. that you talked about when we did those picks that every year for whatever I think is fifty years in a row or something that there's four new teams in the playoffs that weren't in the year before. I think this year it's like six or seven. There's a lot of new teams that are in this year, so be interesting nice. to go over that as well. Okay, cool. That's a great thing to talk about. Sweet. Well, I appreciate everybody stopping by, seeing things from RV from the bench. I'm Brendan and I'm Corey. Like we always say, enjoy the sports until we talk again. Peace. This was a Sycamore Fourth Studios production.